This episode is sponsored in full by Heartlift International, a 501c3 dedicated to making home and family the safest, most secure place on earth. To learn more about Heartlift International or to make a tax-deductible donation, please visit JanelleRairdon.com slash Heartlift dash International. I am so excited to have Alan Fadling back on the show today. Alan and his wife, Jem, are just real friends of our podcast, and their work at Unhurried Living has just been a godsend in my life, and I believe a godsend to our community. I will put their previous episodes on our show notes. I'm reading from Alan's brand new book, A Year of Slowing Down. Daily Devotionals for Unhurried Living. It is so good. Day one, rest is holy. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested. Yes, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. This is the last word in the first creation story of Genesis. God's blessing of the seventh day as space to rest is a holy moment. Sabbath is the culmination of the creation story. We live in a culture that sometimes sees rest as a necessary evil to be minimized as much as possible. Or it sees rest as the moment we run out of gas for any more work. But rest isn't an absence of goodness. It is space to stop our working. It is space to enjoy God's goodness. And it is space to rest in His presence. Resting is hard work. It requires strong personal leadership to say no once a week to measuring our lives by what we produce. It takes intentionality to slow down and cease our striving to achieve, acquire, and impress others and simply enjoy what God has given us. I've sensed a daily invitation alongside this weekly Sabbath call. The creation story that starts our scriptures describes the days of creation in a way that feels different. As each day of creation ends, we hear that there was evening and there was morning. This way of envisioning a day places rest first. I'll repeat that. This way of envisioning a day places rest first. I've been experimenting with seeing my workdays as beginning with rest rather than ending in a collapse after a long day. My various practices of numbing, escaping, or avoiding don't bear good fruit. I'm finding it more fruitful when my work grows out of places of soul rest. And Alan offers us this question at the beginning of day one. How do you find yourself escaping, self-distracting, or numbing in the evening? How might God invite you to enjoy rest in his presence in the hours before you go to bed? I am taking that to heart and I'm holding it close, close, close to my heart as we begin this beautiful, remarkable conversation with Alan Fadling. 
Yeah. Well, Janelle, thank you for inviting me. It's nice to spend some time with you. Oh, it's just always an honor. That's all I can say. Oh. But we were just chatting and you just said that you got back from an eight-day silent retreat. You were sharing how you and Jem have implemented some vital practices of sabbatical, vital practices of rest. Would you share with my beautiful heartlifting community where you were? Because that's amazing. And yeah. what you did on this eight-day silent retreat. What does that even mean? I have a feeling some people don't even know what that means. Sure. Well, I <laughs> wouldn't have known what it meant um, or, uh, earlier on in my own uh, work. But I've often shared that the practice of retreat mm -hmm. became very important to us a long time ago. In our late 20s, actually, uh, we had a mentor who had practiced this idea of stepping away, whether it was a day, a month, or sometimes a longer period, maybe every year or two. Mm -hmm. And so over these last 30-some years, we've been cultivating this habit. And about 10 years ago, I took my first eight-day retreat. It was out near Boston. Wow. And then about five years ago, I took another, and I felt a little overdue. Mm. But basically, this last week, from Saturday to Saturday, eight days, I was uh, up on the hillside in Big Sur oh. at a place called the New Camaldoli Hermitage. Oh They're a gosh. community of solitaries. Um, they feel a calling to pray as their primary ministry. And so they have this place that's been there since the late 50s. Wow. Um, and it's a it's especially challenging. Uh, if anyone knows about California's weather history for this last year, we had some serious mudslides along that oh, stretch of yes. coast. yes. And they were completely isolated to both the north and the south on Highway 1 for a number of months oh. until about a month ago. And oh so they weren't even open. They weren't able to have guests since uh, early spring. So I wasn't sure until mid-July that I'd even be able to go. But finally, I had to drive past a construction sign and over a gravel-only highway oh, to get my. to the driveway. Wow. So I really retreated. You really retreated. How did they get supplies? I'm so curious. Or they, were they... they had like a fire road going out the back of their property that they had to find a way to, to traverse. Mm -hmm. to get uh, materials there. Some of their older community members, mm -hmm. they found a way to get them off-site to other locations. Um, okay. It was quite a... Anyway, that, that's a long story. It could yeah. be an episode in, its, in itself. <laughs> but my <Or> experience... <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, or that. <laughs> but my experience was, you know, I had the gift of being in a place where there's no cell coverage. Some would oh. consider that a liability. I suppose if you're working, it would be. Eight but days. if you're retreating, it's an asset to what not does be one able do? to do. Well, <laughs> one thing that one doesn't days? do is check anything. <laughs> exactly. You can't check your messages or your emails or your webs, favorite websites or your social media. Mm. And for the first day or two, since that's a bit of a habit for me, I keep mm -hmm. catching myself wanting to check but not being able to. Ooh. So it's a kind of withdrawal in a way. Yeah, I would say. But I think in our modern society, to have an opportunity like that is actually it's priceless. Mm -hmm. Because the thing we don't remember anymore is that we could live without those things. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. We we actually could. We did, any of us who were old enough. <laughs> exactly. We, we lived without an internet or cell coverage we did. or computers. Uh, we did just fine, too. Mm-hmm. So all of those things are wonderful servants, but mm-hmm. we've often let them become masters to us. Yes. Yes, very so, much so. Yeah. You know, when you have eight days like that with none of those things to do, well, mm-hmm. you do other things. Uh, mm-hmm. And so- I would take walks around the property. I had this from about 1,200 feet up the hill. I had this wonderful vista view of the Pacific Ocean. Oh, you know, I watched that. I would actually, I would watch the construction crews down Uh rebuilding the highway. Sure, still famous highway, Mm -hmm. famous highway one. I would pray a lot, and by pray, Mm -hmm. I don't mean launching lots of sentences at God, but Mm -hmm. just being in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. One morning I sat and I watched a bunny have its entire breakfast. It took about Fantastic. 45 minutes. I've never it. had time to watch a bunny eat breakfast. And bunny eat I'm not breakfast. saying this is going to be a regular habit, but it was a pretty nice thing to do one morning. <laughs> I would be twitching. I know. I think I could do it. I'm like, oh, I could do it. <gasps> no. Well, so oh, one of the gifts of retreat is it teaches you how to be present where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our hurry as a way of engaging a whole lot of us. And uh, we try to be somewhere else or some other time, Mm -hmm. like 10 minutes from now or tomorrow or a week from now. Mm -hmm. But the only place you can be is here. And the only time you can be is now. Mm -hmm. But learning how to do that, that's that's the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that's why I want you here. (laughs) You, (laughs) you, You have written this beautiful book of 365 what you like to refer to as daily five-minute retreats, and they really yeah. are. If if I'm faithful to not dissect a really great sentence as a writer and editor, because I love like, that's such a good sentence, I calm uh-huh. it down. You know, uh, I can do this in about five minutes and then think about it for the rest of the day, which I'm sure is your heart's intention for this. Yeah. In what ways and and... I've loved your other books and Unhurried Life and Unhurried Leader. I love everything about Unhurried, Unhurried, Unhurried. And by the way, it is still that podcast episode and that whole season about Unhurried has still been the most listened to that I've ever had. Oh, I'm so because glad to hear that. We just don't know how to do it. No. So why did you feel like five minute daily retreats were a good next step? In yeah. your in your author journey, because I know that we as authors we have an idea, like we it's a journey of where we kind of want to go or God's leading us on. So why this and why now? Yeah, so uh, I think the the easiest answer would be you know having written Unhurried Life, having written Unhurried Leader, and sharing those ideas in an essay styled book, right? Mm-hmm. Just chapter book. One of the things that's been a high conviction for my wife and I both is that the the Christian life is a journey. Mm-hmm. It's not. Uh, it's not just a series of transactions. You know, I read my Bible, I say my prayer, I go to church, I do this and I do that, and I put my quarter in the machine, and then I want my thing mm-hmm. out of it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the advantage of a one-year devotional is it's a journey. Yeah, I mean, you could read the whole thing in three <laughs> weeks if you wanted to. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> it's hard it's to designed. stop. I know. <laughs> yeah, well, and that'd be fine. But sure. but. The get the gift of that is you stay with something for a year, mm. and so I very intentionally decided not to write a third chapter, you know, series of chapters on some other unhurried theme. Instead, I mm. wanted something that would be a journey. 
here's how to live into these ideas that w- yeah. that I talked about in the other two books. So that was yeah. that was the strategy or the idea behind writing this one at that point. Yeah, because I think you know you give a big you know you give the big picture of an unhurried life or an unhurried leader, but then the nuts and bolts are how do I do that? How do I how do I have an unhurried day? How do I have an unhurried hour? You know, and so that's to me what it offers me is the the meat, you know, the the meat to gnaw on and to chew on to perhaps have it evolve into an actual unhurried life. Because you have to start yes. with an unhurried moment, most of us. And so I just really appreciate that so much. You also say something that I really wanted to bring to the table today, and it might be the most important thing, is that God is just unhurried. God's unhurried. Mm. Yeah. You you you've said it before. I thought it fell on me and it would take root and maybe it did, but I I know I still What does that even mean? And that his kingdom is not a hurried kingdom. Well, I'm getting ready to turn 64, so I'm like Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. I, I may not have long left here, you know, blah blah blah. blah. But then you come back at me. You do. God is not in a hurry. I want to read the definition of unhurried. And then I looked up slow, which I'm sure you have something to say Mm -hmm. about, but they're synonymous. And this is what unhurried means. In leisurely moving or proceeding at less than normal, desirable, or required speed, not doing something so quickly, and to be unflustered. Hmm. <laughs> what? Interesting. Yeah. Right. Is that the kind of God I serve? Is that what it means? Is that what you mean when you say God's not? He's not yeah, hurried. I he's think, unhurried. Yeah, it's an inter- it's an interesting definition. Um, mm-hmm. I've thought deeply about this. I'm sure. Um, so one of the challenges, I think, is that we have a cultural bias for hurry. Mm-hmm. We reward hurry. We reward busy. Mm-hmm. We, uh, I'll still, I'll get emails every week. And the first mm-hmm. sentence will be some version of, well, I know you're really busy, but. That's, yes. <laughs> and what I hear in that sentence is some version of, you're, you're really in demand. Lots of people want your time. You're super important. So important. And so, you know, if I let that become my identity, I'll never slow down. Oh, no. Because I need to keep being that important. i got to be important. I think the vision of God is unhurried. It's become a, a beautiful vision to me. You know, I think in the past, if I were to be honest, I sort of envisioned Jesus, you know, somewhere ahead of me, dust coming off his, you know, fast yes. running feet. And I was trying to keep up with him. Hubba, you know, hubba, like he's on. he's doing all kinds of stuff in the world. And man, I need to keep just as busy as Jesus is. But, you know, it was when I wrote that first book that I began to, to read the Gospels with a different pair of eyes. Mm. How is Jesus actually? Mm. Um, mm, and question. so, you know, in that book, I, I, un, I unpacked, you know, that Jesus was unhurried enough to enjoy the presence of his father. Jesus manages to do in three and a half years what I haven't managed to do in 40 so far. <laughs> exactly. So it's not like unhurried for Jesus means he doesn't get anything done. 
Correct. Actually, my argument has always been unhurried is the best path for the greatest influence. Oh, I need you to say that again. That's a lean-in moment here. That is it. (laughs) Think about the fact that some of the most impactful moments in your own life or ways God's used you were often unexpected. Right. They were not the fruit of your hurry. They were not the fruit of your strategic time management. They were opportunities that just Mm -hmm. crossed your path. The thing about unhurried is when I slow down, I notice more of those moments. Yes. And when I hurry up, I run past a lot of those moments, doing all the important stuff that I plan to do. I was just going to say that because I think I'm just talking from my own heart because that's all I can talk about is I don't deem them important. I think that's why I wanted to talk about God is unhurried because I think I could often say to myself, God, what God deems important, I don't even think is important at all. Mm. You know, I did have a priest, I mean, decades ago to say, you're going to be very, very surprised when you get to heaven and you look over at that place where you think you're going to have all these good deeds. You know, I was raised Catholic. So, you know, Mm. you're going to have all these good deeds, all this good work that you've done. And you're going to be literally astounded what's in that pile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, for example, I I think about this a lot, too. Um, The great commandment is rather simple. It's to love God, heart, soul, mind, strength. And and again, in my first book, I talked about you just cannot love people in a hurry. You can get things done in a hurry. And you like it if your phone is a little quicker the next edition that comes out. All that's just fine. Technology running quickly. I like. I don't like a dial-up speed. Oh you know, no! You know? So <laughs> I'm I'm with everybody else on that. But when it comes to relationships, mm-hmm. when it comes to the great command, the thing that matters the most in the kingdom of mm-hmm. God today, a century ago, a millennium ago, it hasn't changed. It is love God, heart, soul, mind, strength, and almost as though it were the other side of the very same coin: love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. arranging your life to be that kind of person mm. does not look like, you know, a time management maximization exercise. <laughs> it, I think generally it looks like slowing down to notice the people. I mean, think of Jesus. Yeah, uh, There's the story of um, Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road. I could just imagine the disciples, man, we are making great progress <laughs> today. On. We are going to get there. We're going to spend the night. We've got this great uh, itinerary planned. And then Jesus keeps stopping. He does. What's going on? That had to be maddening. <laughs> the thing is, I think there's a connection between that and something John in his gospel captures. Mm-hmm. That what he reports Jesus saying, you know, these things I'm saying, they're really not my words. I just say what I hear the Father saying. Mm-hmm. You know, these works of mine, they're really not my works. I only do that, which I see the Father doing. Yeah, that's one of and your so you daily get devotions. This... Why don't you talk about that in one of them? Mm-hmm. Right. And that spirit, Jesus lives at the pace of his Father's priorities. Oh, that is, that's a keeper. Jesus yeah. lives at the pace of his Father's priorities. When we slow down, we begin to realize what matters to God. And Mm -hmm. we can spend a lot of time doing something that maybe the world around me wouldn't think much of. 
but in the kingdom, it'll be one of those things over on the good deeds table. You know, you talked about. And go, what? It'll be one of the things the father really celebrates. I think. I know. I think that's really sobering. If I just really sit with that, I, I would want that to take such a deep root in my life, and I think that I would live my days differently. You know, uh, I would just live them differently. Hmm. Oh, I take a deep breath. It's so good. And I know, I know that we've talked about this in our first conversation when we were talking about unhurried living, unhurried leader. So Heartlifters, you can just go back and and I'll give you the links to that conversation with Alan and Jem and then with Jem and links to listen to Alan on many other things that I've listened to you on uh, mm. so that we can really grab hold of that principle that, you know, can I put my name in there? Janelle lives at the pace of her father's priorities, her father's business. Can I do that? I usually say, you know, let's be aligned to that. But I wonder if I, by connecting it to my pace, mm -hmm. to my presence, and then to the relationships in my life. Mm. It's well, really, so, so really sobering. I think one of the things I, you know, many have said this, um, so it's not original with me, but you know, we can't really try to be unhurried. You know, if you just sort of grit <laughs> your teeth and give that a good hard try, that won't last very long. It won't work yeah. very well. But you can train mm. to become unhurried. That's good. And so many spiritual practices, really, if you engage them in their in the right spirit, they really have a way of slowing you down. Mm -hmm. Like a practice like Lexio Divina, a way of reading speak scripture to us a little about more that. slowly. Yeah. Reading scripture a little more slowly, a little more reflectively, a little more prayerfully, living with the passage rather than merely dissecting it and getting all the words, you know, unpacked and figured out, but living with the truth of what God happens to say in a line of scripture, a line of a mm -hmm. psalm or a gospel or whatever, mm -hmm. to let it soak in, to soak in it like a tea bag sitting mm -hmm. in a hot cup of water. Yeah. You know, if you if you dip that thing in for three seconds and pull it out, you're going to mostly have hot water. Yeah, it's going to be pretty weak. That's steep, yeah. And steeping is unhurried. And letting what God says soak into me, uh, that has a way of, um, you know, flavoring my life and, mm, and, so and well said. affecting my pace. Mm -hmm. So well said. Okay, Heartlifters, we are going to take a big deep breath here and pause and give ourselves beautiful time to reflect on everything Alan has said, but primarily this one thought. Jesus lived at the pace of his Father's priorities. And when I made that personal, it took my breath away. Can I... Can I live by that just the next few days before we listen to part two on Friday? Can I make that my intention? Janelle lives at the pace of her father's priorities. And perhaps take a time to really use those beautiful contemplative practices of stillness, silence, and solitude that we learn about all the time. They're so important to us here in this community. The contemplative practices of 
really noticing, increasing our awareness, just like Alan spoke about watching that little bunny eat its breakfast. That seems so wasteful, perhaps, to some of us. Not to all of us, I'm sure. But can we stop and notice and increase our awareness and implement a practice over the next few days where we live at the pace of our Father's priorities? Okay, meet me over on Instagram at Janelle Rarden, and please be sure to come over to our new home on Substack. All that information, all the connections are in the show notes and you will have no problem finding them. So I hope to meet you over there so we can keep this conversation going and we can encourage one another to truly slow down our lives and find true meaning.